good for us to be here. We always assemble on Sunday mornings and we partake of the Lord's Supper and uh, to remember Him every day. We want to want to ask you a couple of questions. You don't have to answer. You might nod or shake your head. Um, who knows anything about the Battle of Marathon? Some of you never heard of it, I'm sure. We get the race from that, from the ending of that battle. But uh, just as, just very quickly, Darius I, the king of Persia, invaded Greece in 490 B.C. Didn't go out, go too well for him. He, he lost and he retreated from Greece and went back to Persia. He died four or five years later. Um, and so... He's gone from history. Who knows anything about the sea battle at uh, Salamis or the Battle of Plataea? You probably don't. You may have never heard of them. Well, Darius' son, Xerxes the first. now, we, they're, the one been put, that's a picture of him, they say, I don't know, I, it's probably taken from a sculpture. But anyway, Xerxes invaded Greece in 480 B.C., 10 years after his dad. And that year they lost a sea battle at Salamis. And Xerxes went back across the Aegean to the Ionian Peninsula in Turkey and and went on back to Persia. And he left a general there named Artabanus who had his land forces at Plataea and the Greeks beat him. And so he... They, the invasions were over. And that doesn't mean anything to us, really. But some historians would tell you that losing Persia, losing, uh, shaped our government because Greece was still there and we have some form of a democratic government. I, I don't know if I'd stretch it that far because the Persia didn't go on into Italy and into Greece, uh, Europe and all that. So anyway, just wondered if you knew anything about those. Um, Xerxes had a famous wife. Her name was Vashti. He had another famous wife. Her name was Esther. This is Ahasuerus of the book of Esther. Uh, And we don't know. the, The Bible doesn't tell us what happened to him, but he was assassinated in 465 B.C. So from 486, roughly, when he became king to 465, his... Sometime in that time frame is when Esther happened. I don't know exactly when. Really not all that important for us today. But in U.S. history, we all know what happened on December 7, 1941, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. None of us in here were alive at that day, although that is part of American history. We also know what that is. I don't even have to tell you what that is because most of us were alive at that time on September 11, 2001. We remember those things a little bit. Here we have Charlton Heston. If you've ever watched the Ten Commandments movie, that's old Charlton Heston. He's getting ready with God. God's getting ready through him to part the Red Sea and the uh, the Hebrews are going to go through free uh, and, and free and safe. 
So God brought about a great deliverance with the help of Moses, and he saved the Hebrews. And so the Jews celebrated that event, and some do still. That's 3,500 years or 4,000 years. I don't know exactly how long it's been. Still remembered. And we talk about it every now and then in these studies that we do. But almost 2,000 years ago, this happened. And that's why we're here on Sunday mornings. For this, to remember that. So I'd like for you to think about this with us. Acts 20, verse 7, now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message to midnight. We're going to talk more about that very soon. Um, But let's read, open your Bibles, Matthew 27. We're going to do a little, I don't normally read this long, but this is, we're going to do that. Matthew 27, beginning in verse 27. <clears throat> and then we'll make a few comments about it. Matthew twenty-seven, twenty-seven. Your page is turning. I'll I'll hold till then. All right. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on his head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And they put over his head uh, the accusation written against him, This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads, and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself, if you're the Son of God. Come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he's the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, said, this man's calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded his spirit. 
Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were were there looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee's sons. Now when evening had come, there was came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in the new tomb which had been hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite the the tomb. And on the next day which followed, the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise again. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say to the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guard shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is arisen. He is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. So let's just look at some things that happened. Jesus is crucified. Before he's crucified, he's beaten, scourged uh, pretty badly. He's not in good shape. He's not even in good enough shape to carry his own cross beam to the cross, to Golgotha, Calvary. So he is crucified and his accusation what he did wrong is nailed above his cross and is also written in three different languages Hebrew Aramaic and uh, Latin while he's up there he's blasphemed blaspheming means you say bad things about something they're blaspheming God they're saying bad things about God the son of God is on the cross There's darkness from 12 noon until at, last, at least 3 p.m. Not, not an eclipse. But we're talking daylight, broad daylight at noon, and it's dark. 
apparently it was like night. Did that last at least until 3 o'clock? And then Jesus dies sometime around that time, 3 o'clock. And when he dies, the veil of the temple was torn in two because there's an earthquake and rocks are split. Jesus' body is then placed in a tomb shortly thereafter that. The tomb is made secure. On Sunday, there is another earthquake, and the stone is rolled back. An angel did it. An angel sits on the stone, by the way. I think that's cool. Graves opened when Jesus is resurrected, and uh, many bodies of the saints are raised. And it says they go into Jerusalem, the holy city, and they appear to many. And I always, every time I read that, it just fascinates me. It, I, I say that every time if I'm up here, I say it every time, but it does. It just, that's amazing. Uh, of what they might have said. Who knows? Mary Magdalene and the other Mary go to the tomb, and there's nobody in it. It was a new tomb. Nobody had ever been buried in there before Jesus. And so they come to see him, I guess, to finish his body for the, for the, for the final burial. Get him, you know, this is the forever burial, I guess. And uh, he's, the tomb's empty. So an angel speaks to them and tells them that Jesus, whom you seek, who was crucified, is not here. He's risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. So you look for yourself. He isn't here. He is risen. And say stolen. He said he's risen. As he said. He said this was going to happen. This is not an accident. You know, we... We remember December 7, 1941. We don't remember it from experience, but we remember from our history. And it used to be remembered more in years past than it is now because fewer and fewer and fewer of the people who lived at that time are alive today. And so it just it kind of fades from memory. We remember September 11 because most of us were alive. And there's a, and we remember it on 9/11, by the way, which September 11th. And uh, this nation remembers it. You know, it's in the news, all that, and they talk about it a little bit more that day. We don't remember, and we don't celebrate the marathon battle or the sea battle at, at Salamis or Plataea. We we don't know. We just we it has no effect on us. But we remember the 4th of July, don't we? There's a national holiday that day. Every year, banks close. UPS doesn't even run. Walmart may even be closed. I don't know. This is how important this day is to us. We cook out or something. It's a holiday. But it's remembered on July 4th. We remember birthdays once a year. 
we remember anniversaries, we better remember them once a year. But the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we remember each first day of the week, just like we did earlier. We took the bread and the cup, remembering what he did for us. Not yearly, not monthly, but weekly, and the saints assemble. A few people might get together on the 4th of July and, and maybe a birthday, but, but this is every Lord's Day, every day, every Sunday, every first day of the week. We get together and we remember. Exodus 20, verse 8, and, Exodus, and Acts 20, verse 7. Exodus 20, verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. In Acts 20, verse 7, Now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. So on the first day of the week, it says, When the disciples came together to break bread. So we have an example here of what the uh, the inspired writers of the gospel and the preachers did. They assembled with the, together with the saints on Sunday, the first day of the week. And the purpose was to break bread. Not a meal to break bread for the Lord's Supper. Now, how many first days? Which first day? The first day of the week. How many weeks? Every day, I mean, every week has a first day, doesn't it? When God, in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8, he is speaking to the Hebrews. They hear his voice, and he tells them to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Do you think the Jews were wondering, which Sabbath day are we to remember? No, they, they knew. They knew. They knew it was every Sabbath day. So we know that on the first day of the week, the disciples came together to break bread. And that's why we do it. We're going to talk about a little bit more of that right before the end. Let's read Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, verses 22 through 26. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new, with, uh, drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Matt read that in the, the Matthew version uh, a little earlier. But let's just look at that for just a moment. Jesus blessed the bread and he gave thanks for the cup. He blessed bread, said good things about the bread, and he blessed the cup. 
I'd like to know what he said. I would. Why does it say he blessed one and he thanked, gave thanks for the other? It's just a, just a thought. I don't have a good answer. All of them ate of it. He said, take, eat, this is my body. All of them drank of the fruit of the vine. Which is Jesus' blood of the new covenant which is shed for many. This shedding of blood is so important. His dying on the cross is so important that we remember it every Sunday. And have for 2,000 years. The prayers aren't recorded. As I mentioned, I'd like to know what he prayed But they aren't recorded, and I think I know why. Somebody somebody would write them down in some denomination and have them in their prayer book. And that's what they would pray, exactly the same thing every Sunday or every month or every two times a year, every how often they do the Lord's Supper, and they would remember exactly, they would, they would read it without giving any thought to it. So I'm, it's a good thing that, they, that they're not recorded for us. So we can have the prayers, and those prayers led are my prayers. That what is said is going through my mind. I am listening to it, and thoughts of that are happening when it's, while it's being spoken. And then while, the, while it's being passed around, those thoughts about this is my body, and the blood, those are on my mind. It may be reading scripture or reading a song we just sang that directs our thought to that. But we think about those, or supposed to think about those things as we partake of them. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 11. First Corinthians 11. I want us to read verses 23 through 29. Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink of it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. He says, you do this in remembrance of me. That when you take of, an, of, of one of the uh, uh, pieces of that, you, that my thoughts are in you. Your thoughts are about me. Maybe I should rephrase it like that. That my thoughts are directed toward his, his being on the cross. And when I drink 
this do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. That those, again, are the thoughts that are going through my mind. Because we are pro- proclaiming or declaring the Lord's death till he comes. It's habitual, not as a habit, but it is continual. We do this every week. We do it every week. What it does, it looks backward to Jesus' death on the cross. You think about him being his body hanging on the cross and the blood that he shed. You think about those things. You're looking back. It's looking back even further because those whose sins are not forgiven, who are safe in God, those sins, when Jesus died, those sins were forgiven. When those, as I said, who had so directed their lives to live the way the Lord said live. So it looks back to the death. It looks forward to the time when the Lord's going to come again. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So what is our responsibility again is we are not to fail to give the proper respect that is deserved. Because God in the form of his son died for us. Worth celebrating. Worth remembering. Every time that the Lord told them, if I recall, to remember a day or an event, there was a meal with that. Mostly in the old law, those were uh, seven-day feast days celebrations but there was always a meal and so with this we want to read 1 Corinthians 11 verses 17 through 22 because we want, you just leave it up to a man and he'll figure out some way to do it wrong so read same chapter 1 Corinthians 11 beginning in verse 17 now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. One is hungry, and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What, I, what shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. As I mentioned, you leave it up to us and we'll figure out how to mess it up. And so the church at Corinth, there were some abuses going on during the Lord's Supper what was supposed to be the Lord's Supper. There were divisions among them. It seems that they would get there, you know, like we do. We, we don't all walk in the building at the same time. They would get there, and then they would start, if they brought their own food, they'd just start eating. And then the others would come, and they'd eat, or some come, and they didn't have enough. You know, all these kind of stuff possibly, very likely, was going on. And so there comes to be divisions among those who have more and those who have less. 
Some were drunk. That's amazing. I, I don't know what to say about that. Some were eating it as just a common meal. He said, don't you have houses to eat and drink in? <laughs> in other words, you eat and drink at home. But let a man examine himself, in verse 29, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. You get yourself in the right frame of mind. You examine yourself to make sure that my focus for these few minutes will be on the cross and on Jesus and on the death and on him hanging on the cross and the mockery that was made of him and his dying. And his bloodshed. And his resurrection. Ought to be all part of it. Examine yourself. So that you're in the frame of mind to do that. And that alone. That's what we're supposed to do. W.E. Vine. And he's well respected because he studied the Greek language. Aramaic language, the common language that the Bible is written in. He studied this extensively. He says, as to the time indicated by as oft as, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five, there is sufficiently clear intimation in Scripture that the first day of the week, while not the subject of command, was the regular day upon which the Lord's people met for this purpose. The observation was certainly not less frequent. And that's a quote from so, the first day of the week was the regular day in which the Lord's people met for observing the Lord's Supper. And he says, certainly it was not less frequently. Although we do understand that we're, it's not a command on what day to do it. But we'll get to that in a minute. J.W. McGarvey's brother of ours, by the way, he was. He, I didn't realize he lived 1829 to 1911. But anyway, J.W. McGarvey said, It is generally admitted even among parties who do not, do not observe the practice themselves that the apostolic churches broke the loaf weekly. But it still made a question whether in the absence of an express command this example is binding upon us. The question is likely to be determined differently by two different classes of men those who are disposed to follow chiefly the guide of their own judgment or the denominational custom will feel little influenced by such a precedent. Such a precedent is meeting on the Sunday to do this, or each week. But to those who are determined that the very slightest indication of the divine will, I'm sorry, uh, apologize, uh, second sentence there, but to those who are determined that the very slightest indication of the divine will shall govern them, the question must present itself in this way. We are commanded to do this in memory of Jesus. We are not told in definite terms how often it shall be done, but we find that the, the apostles established the custom of meeting every Lord's day for this purpose. This is an inspired precedent. And with it, we must comply. We can come to no other conclusion without assuming an ability to judge on this matter with more wisdom than did, than did the apostles. Great thought. So, the established custom 
in biblical periods was to meet every Lord's Day for this purpose. And McGarvey calls it an inspired precedent, and with it we must comply. If the apostles did it, we should do it. That's what he's saying. Or if we don't, then we take upon us an ability to judge with more wisdom than the apostles did. If we decide we don't want to do it like the apostles did, then we're putting ourselves in the place of the apostles, basically, and saying, we'll do it this way. Men will do it this way. Again, you leave it up to us, and we'll figure out a way to mess it up. We assemble on Sundays to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. And we did it a few minutes ago. If you... need to be baptized so that the blood of Christ will cleanse you. So that your sins in Acts 22 and verse 17 will be washed away. Acts 22, 16. Why don't you, why don't you do that? Why wait? <coughs> and if you've done that in the past, but you do need the prayers of the saints, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing? This world is not my home.